Hello again, everyone. Nate Dickinson with you here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. We've got plenty to go over here today. It's a Monday. Minnesota picked up a big win over the Purdue Boilermakers on Friday night. At the very least, it got you something to cheer about over the weekend. We'll talk more about that in our next segment. I'll break things down over everything that happened in that game. And then later on, we'll also take a look at what Pro Football Focus thought of the matchup, continuing to use that tool to break things down and try and figure out exactly what's gone wrong so far for the Gophers, or in this case, what went right on Friday night with like that run defense or Tanner Morgan. We'll get more to that in just a minute. Our show today is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, BuiltBar.com and the code LOCKEDON for 20% off. And we thank Built Bar for that opportunity to save some money. This is the Locked On Golden Gopher Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson. Every single weekday, you give us half an hour, we'll give you everything you need to know about what's going on with the Minnesota Gophers. And in that tune, we'll also start our program today by getting you a little bit of a breakdown of what went on over the weekend. First off, in some news breaking today, Shane Wiskus is training for the Olympic Games, the men's gymnast of the Minnesota Gophers, but he's not quite sure if he's going to be able to continue training in Minnesota with the new restrictions put in by Governor Tim Waltz regarding sports and indoor facilities and things like that. He is heading to Colorado Springs to train. Again, Whisk is not sure if he'll be able to continue using Minnesota's facilities, so he's headed out of state. Going to spend some time over in the Rockies to get ready for 2021. Elsewhere, the hockey teams kicked off over the weekend, both men and women for the Gophers. The men faced off against Penn State on Thursday and Friday, picked up a pair of wins to start the season, 4-1 to one and 3-2 to two over the Nittany Lions. They've got some high expectations this year. We'll be talking more about them as the season goes on, I know. As we will talk about the women, they went 1-1 one and one over the week against Ohio State. 4-0 the win in the first game, 2-1, a loss in game number two. Men are actually back at it today, already facing off against Ohio State both tonight and tomorrow night. That's four games in six days to start the season for these Gophers. 2020 was already pretty weird, packing four games into six days, just adding it on for that Gopher hockey team. And finally, some sad news. John Hankinson, the mid-60s quarterback for the Minnesota Gophers, who set a lot of passing records at the time, passed away over the weekend at age 77. And of course... Condolences to him and his family and everyone mourning that loss. That's a look at what's going on around the University of Minnesota right now, right here as we start off our Monday. And before we get into the breakdown of the matchup between Purdue and Minnesota from over the weekend, I want to get into a little bit on COVID-19 because the Gophers were really affected by it last week. They had 22 players out by either injury COVID-19 or contact tracing as a result of COVID-19. And the basketball season starts up this week as well, and there will be things to think about there too. Quick shout out to Meg Ryan of the Star Tribune. She wrote about this and the Gophers issues last weekend that really inspired me to talk about it here right now. This team was, according to P.J. Fleck, quote, close to not playing last Friday against Purdue. And the school doesn't really give updates on the cases. I mean, it's not just a Minnesota thing. A whole lot of schools aren't giving really detailed updates on things, trying to keep things private with players. But at the same time, it's, of course, convenient to them to not have to tell us anything. So they release numbers, I believe it's once a month. 
So a canceled game would kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, I guess we'd get hints if it was happening throughout the week, but like if on Friday morning, say the Gophers had a bunch of positive tests come up, that game's not getting played and people really wouldn't have had any idea. So I don't know how many people exactly have COVID in the Minnesota team. I don't know how close the team is to not playing, say, this weekend against Wisconsin. But I will say that the kind of darkness that we're left in with everyone not reporting everything could make it so that you're getting a game canceled that you had no idea was anywhere close to it, you know? Like, if that game was close to not being played on Friday, I had no indication of it. I mean, I knew the Gophers had been dealing with COVID problems, but... I had no idea that what P.J. Flex said was close to not playing. And, and if P.J. is saying it, like, he's he knows what he's doing at the podium, right? Like, he knows what to say and what not to say. It's not the right move to say, hey, we almost canceled the game. There's no reason to instill that kind of panic among the media team, anybody. So if he was saying it, that means it must have actually been pretty serious. And maybe it still is. Again, we don't know exactly. But it's kind of weird how this happens and how a canceled game, if it comes, could kind of come out of nowhere. You have to take the same kind of caution for basketball season. In fact, for basketball season, I would say you have to expect a lot of moving around. I mean, the Big Ten, at the very least this winter, has the luxury of not having messed up the football season schedule so much. I mean, whether you think the Gophers should be playing or shouldn't be playing right now, how long it took the Big Ten to decide was really, really rough and is hurting it right now, you can tell. You keep that caution toward basketball season. At the very least, you got ability to move games around. Players can play back-to-back nights if they have to. So you can look at the Gophers' schedule as it stands, but I would not expect that to be every single date that the Gophers play all of their games. That's just the way it is right now this year with the pandemic, but uh, again, have some more caution. You have more room with basketball and Big Ten didn't mess up as much as it did with scheduling football, so you should be able to get a full basketball season in. I don't think that's in jeopardy in the same way football is, but at the same time, I feel like this COVID thing isn't going away anytime soon. That's not really a, a bold statement to make. Well, if you do want something that's bold but also refreshing, chilled out, the beer that's made to chill is the one for you. Now, Coors Light, of course, is made to chill as far as just kicking back and relaxing with the friends and family on Thanksgiving, perhaps this week. But also, it's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's, again, literally made to chill. Get Coors Light in new look, delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up after the break, we're going to break down the matchup from Friday night against the Purdue Boilermakers. What did I take away from that game? And how much more positive can you be feeling about a Gopher team that still sits at 2-3 and three going into the Wisconsin game? We'll talk about that in just a minute. Nate Dickinson here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Back here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, Nate Dickinson with you. Breaking down the matchup between Minnesota and Purdue from over on Friday night. Gophers picked up the second win of the season Friday. A lot of Gopher fans may not have been expecting that after what we saw in the first few weeks from the Gophers. But the team's now at 2-3, and three, and we have to, of course, ask the question, what was it that was different between the first few games of the season for Minnesota and 
well, what they were able to do well against Purdue. The run defense didn't look terrible. Tanner Morgan looked really, really good. And we'll break all that down in a minute. But first, a quick word to people who may be Purdue fans. I don't know why you're listening to a Golden Gopher podcast, but if you're there, I'm not happy with the complaining I've been hearing from you over the weekend. I'm an Indiana native. So I see Purdue fans, I know Purdue fans, they're on my timeline all the time. And it just doesn't make sense to be complaining about this loss like that. Like, I get it, all right? Offensive pass interference was a really tough call. But you lost this game yourself, man. I mean, blocked field goal, another missed field goal before that could have sent the game into overtime. You had two possessions in the last eight minutes, one in which you started in field goal range that you couldn't get any points on. And credit to the Gopher defense, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but... If you're a Purdue fan, you can't be complaining about how the refs lost you this game. You lost the game just as much as the officials did. It just so happened to be that in the last play of the game, it was the referees that took it away from you. There were plenty of other opportunities for the Boilermakers to win this game. No reason for you to complain. And honestly, even if the ref did take it away from you, I mean, I don't want to rash too much on the Boilermakers, but this team wasn't going to do anything special this year anyway. Like that loss didn't end your season the Boilermakers aren't going to do anything more or less because of it, you know? Like, maybe if they'd beaten Northwestern last week and we're still in the running for the Big Ten East or West, whatever it is, title, they would still have reason to complain. But, like, after you already lost to Northwestern, you're not going to Indianapolis. You lose to the Gophers. It, it, the team isn't doing anything more or less, as I said, because of that loss, you know? Like, people aren't thinking of Purdue as any more or less of a football team long-term because of this loss and short-term the season wasn't going anywhere special anyway. It was going to be another around 500 season, and maybe you do a little bit better or maybe you do a little bit worse. But the hopes of going to Indianapolis were gone, so really the reason to say that you lost your season by losing that game also go with it. Just a little bit of a take on the Boilermakers before we really dig into this game. Before we get into the individual stuff, because we're going to use a lot of pro football focuses stats to talk about all of that, I want to talk big picture. This team made stops when it mattered most on Friday night. And that's pretty much been the game plan to get a win this season, if you're a Minnesota Gopher fan. We've broken this down before in previous podcasts, but if you're looking at the way this team has played so far and you're thinking, all right, well, how can we get a win with this defense that's playing so badly? And really, it kind of played out that way in the Gophers getting this win on Friday. What we had said had to happen was the offense had to score a bunch of points, and the defense really just had to do enough to be able to make the offense's scoring output be enough to win the game. That's exactly what happened. Gophers scored 34. It was just barely enough on defense to hold the Purdue Boilermakers to 31 and get that win. The offense runs up the score. You hope the defense can do enough for it to hold. Sometimes that means just a few plays, and that was definitely the case against the Boilermakers on Friday night. Now, the run defense was a lot better for Minnesota on Friday as a whole. No doubt about that, and we'll get into that with the pro football focus analysis. But just as a team, they made just a few plays that they hadn't made in previous games that really were the difference between a win and a loss. We talked about the blocked field goal. That's a big play. You talk about those last two drives and the eight minutes in which Purdue got the ball back. At one point in Minnesota field goal range, and I guess the defense doesn't really cause a guy to miss a field goal if it's not being blocked. But anyway, being able to hold that team to zero points scored in those two drives, that's something that... After the Maryland game, are you saying this team is ever doing this season against anybody? Game on the line. Eight minutes left. Other team's going to get 
not one but two possessions to try and score at least a field goal on you and keep the game going. After you lose to Maryland, are you thinking that the Minnesota Gophers are pulling that off? No. Definitely not. That's a big, big improvement. Just big picture. Maybe it's cheesy. Maybe it's cliche. Maybe it's just old-fashioned sports fan. But this team made the big plays. The biggest plays at the biggest times and won the game. And I still believe that matters. Again, we mentioned the defense was much better at stopping the run here in this game. The Gophers allowed 125 rushing yards in this matchup, which isn't uh, outstanding by any means, but it's pretty great when you put it next to every other game and realize that that 125 yards rushing is the first time this season the Gophers had allowed less than 180 on the ground. 180. Now, the pass defense ended up being what suffered as a result, and Purdue's game plan plays into this as well. The Boilermakers, as we mentioned last week, throw the ball the second most times in the country per game. So it was going to be a pass-heavy matchup. But this team just couldn't get the run going the way other teams had against the Gophers. 125 yards, first time the Gophers had held anyone to less than 180. Passing game was very good for Purdue. Plummer threw for 367 That's the most passing yards since Tua 2.0 had his game for Maryland against the Gophers a couple of weeks back. So the pass defense wasn't great. They passed heavy, even with Jack Plummer as the quarterback, who had not been the starter all year, was getting his first time this season. And Purdue actually did use a few different runners, which I was surprised by as well. So far to this point in the season, the Boilermakers had really only gone with one back the entire year. And seeing them kind of spread it out against the Gophers made me think that, all right, maybe they did game plan for the Gophers' terrible run defense, and it just didn't work, which is obviously really encouraging if you're a Gopher fan. But Alex Horvath, he was the guy who had pretty much all the carries this season for this team. And last year, or last week, he had to split him up for the first time all year. I think it was like one other running back who had had a carry so far this season for the Boilermakers. Purdue split it up, and Minnesota responded well. That was something I was really, really happy to see. We'll get into the pro football focus side of things in just a minute. But before we do that, again, big picture stuff. Was this a perfect game? No. Far from it. There are plenty of things that still have to get better, and perfect games just aren't going to happen this year. Let's be real about that. Does it? Is it a game that makes you feel things are doing any better as a whole, really? Do you feel any better about this team for this season or going forward about what they need to get better at? Not really. I mean, again, the run defense is encouraging, but he still gave up 31 points. Offense is still good. But as far as what you were worried about with this team, they didn't do anything so outstanding on Friday night against Purdue that you're just like, oh, Gophers are back. Don't worry about it. That run defense is going to be fine. None of that happened. And that's not what any of this game was supposed to be going into it either. But it was a win. And any wins really just make you think about how much less there may be to do, you know? Because everyone knows, all right, this defense needs to get a whole lot better. Tanner Morgan needs to play better, more like what he did on Friday. And again, we'll get to his game in the next segment with PFF, but he needs to play better too. I don't think any of those concerns went away by beating Purdue. But again, you at least get that reassurance that, all right, maybe it's not the total dumpster fire that we thought it was a few weeks ago. Get that out of your head. Get out of your head the idea that you're going to the Big Ten title game or that this team is good enough to do something like that. But also get the other extreme out of your head too. Stop thinking this is a bottom-of-the-barrel Big Ten team. Beating Illinois didn't prove that. 
but I think beating Purdue does. That this team is at least going to be able to compete in the Big Ten and is going to end up in the middle of the pack. I think that's become pretty clear by beating Purdue and at least being able to play with them. I don't know what happened against Iowa still, but beating the Boilermakers, that's a very, very good sign. Well, Minnesota was able to put together the energy to just get past Purdue Friday night, but not everybody has that kind of energy all the time. Sometimes you need a little bit of a pick-me-up, and that's where Built Bar can come in. Now, I know what you're thinking. Nate, another protein product. We got the shakes. We got the powders. We got other protein bars. What separates Built Bar, at least for me, though, is just how good it tastes. All these other places can get you your protein, but how many of them can you really say you enjoy eating? every single day before your workout or just to get you through the rest of the workday, any of it. Built Bar gives yourself that energy with also the taste built in. They've got outstanding flavors, peanut butter, raspberry, mint brownie, new flavors like lemon almond cheesecake. They're getting creative with this stuff. Plenty for you to try out. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. It's really the difference between Built Bar and all those other protein bars too. Also, Built Bar is healthy. It's great for that health-conscious person who's not trying to put all that garbage in your body when you want to get that energy. We're talking low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Great if you're on, like, a keto diet or something like that. I'm talking about, like, 18, 19 grams of protein in every bar, while also less than 200 calories and five or less grams of sugar and net carbs and the whole thing. Built Bar is your place to go to get that extra boost to energy, without sacrificing your health and really messing with your insides. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. There's no space in that Locked On promo code, by the way. I don't know if they let you put spaces in, but no space. All one word, Locked On. Coming up in a minute. I've told you what I thought about what Purdue did against Minnesota and vice versa on Friday night. After our break, let's break down the numbers. Pro Football Focus has all sorts of grades from Friday, and I'll let you know what I think are the most important ones in just a minute. Nate Dickinson here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Back on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, Nate Dickinson with you. We're talking about Purdue, Minnesota from last Friday. Particularly, going to break down what happened. Particular, pr- particularly, there, I can say it. We're talking about what went down on Friday night between Purdue and Minnesota. Going to break down what PFF had to say about the game. I told you my opinions, but let's get into the actual numbers of things. Now, again, a quick recap of what exactly PFF does. It takes every single player in every individual play, looks at what they did, gives them a grade on a scale of negative two to two. Zero's average. Two is the best play that you could possibly make at any point during a game. Negative two is the worst play you could make at any point in a game. They then take all those numbers from every play, put it together into one big number for the game or for the season or whatever you want, and then spit out that one number between zero and 100 to tell you just how good that player was at that particular statistic. So for like a Tanner Morgan, they have stats like uh, offense in general, but also passing and running as a quarterback, as well as holding on to the football as well. All those, again, rated 0 to 100. And important thing is, this is not a measure of how much this person contributed to winning the game. It's not a measure of one position across another. It's purely a measure of how well a player did his job. So Pro Football Focus asks, What was Tanner Morgan supposed to do during this play? What was Rashad Bateman 
supposed to do? What was Mo Ibrahim supposed to do? What were their jobs and how well did they do it? That's a measure of what this is. It's not saying that the offensive lineman who had a better grade than anybody else in the offense had a better game than anybody else in impacting the win. It's only saying, all it is saying is that that guy, if he had a great offensive lineman grade, was doing an outstanding job at being an offensive lineman, at doing what his job dictated he was supposed to do. That's all it is. Not a measure of impact on a game, just a measure of how well you do your job, whatever that is. With that being said, let's break down first what Tanner Morgan did on Friday and then the defense, because I think those are the two big takeaways. Was that Tanner Morgan looked at least a little bit like his 2019 self after some people had gotten worried about that And the defense, at least in the running side, was the best it has been all season. No doubt about it. And the pro football focus numbers support that. But let's talk about Morgan first. As you may have expected, this was the best game for Tanner Morgan since way back against Maryland. That Maryland game, by the way, as far as pro football focus is concerned, is like elite. It's a blue number, a 90.4. If you have or have looked at the site before, the ratings kind of are color-coded. They start out at the very bottom when they're red. Green is good. You get that about like 60s and 70s. But then if you hit like something where you're getting toward 85, 90, it actually turns to the elite color, which is blue. And that's what Morgan had on Maryland. It's the only time he's had that uh, this season. But against Purdue, he had his highest grade as an overall offensive player and a passer since that matchup against Maryland. 75.9 overall offensively. But the thing that I noticed, and this is something I talked about last week too, was that it wasn't really all that much better from the last two weeks. He had a 70 against Illinois, a 74.7 grade against Iowa, and then 75.9 against Purdue. So according to Pro Football Focus, as both a passer, as those numbers aren't too far apart either, and just as a general offensive player, Tanner Morgan was basically just as good against Iowa last week as he was against Purdue on Friday. You wouldn't think that if you were just watching the games even. You wouldn't think that if you were looking at the box scores. Certainly not. But that's the way it is. And again, I mentioned it last week too. It was because he wasn't getting help from his receivers that it didn't go well against Iowa. And it went well against Purdue because those receivers stepped up and fixed their mistakes. We talked about the drop grades. Talking about the hands on receivers. Chris Ottman-Bell last week against Iowa, 22. Rashad Bateman against Iowa, 20.6. Those are horrible grades out of 100. And while they didn't do outstanding against Purdue, they got back to at least getting close to where they were before. From the 22 last week, Chris Ottman-Bell had a 49.8 drop rating. He also had an 86.7 overall offensive rating, which was his best output of the season, rightfully so, 129 yards on five catches. Rashad Bateman, same deal. 20.6 in his drop grade against Iowa, against Purdue 45.4. They're doing a better job of catching the balls that Tanner Morgan is throwing to him. So while Tanner Morgan has been just as good as he always has been, the receivers were better. So Tanner Morgan looked like he was doing a lot better too. It's exactly what I said last week, and they drove home the point this week against Purdue. I love it when that happens. I love it when people prove me right. Moving on. Now on the defensive side of the ball, You don't need pro football focus for me to tell you that this was the best game this team had played defensively in stopping the run all season, and it wasn't really close. As we mentioned last segment, 125 yards allowed on the ground on Friday night hadn't allowed less than 180 in any game before that. But again, it shows up on the stat sheet. As a run defense against Iowa last week, the grades were awful. 
for this team as a whole. Run defense grade was 27.8. Miserable, miserable grade. And the worst grade that the team had had in any category all season back until all the way back in the Michigan game when they had a pass block rating of just 25. But I'm getting number heavy here. The point is, that run defense grade went from a 27.8 to a 54 against Purdue. That's above average. It's still only the third best output that the Gophers have had this season in run defense, but that big jump was the big difference in why Minnesota was able to at least stop Purdue enough to be able to win this game. Also, He'll talk about it tomorrow, I'm sure, or talk about it today, I'm sure, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow when we go over the press conferences. But P.J. Fleck has been all about tackling this year. Every press conference, whenever anyone asks, why isn't this team doing as well as it could be or maybe should be or maybe people are expecting to, he's talked about the tackling just isn't there. It's an inexperienced defense. They're doing everything right, just not making the tackles. On Friday, they made the tackles. 83.9 as a grade overall on tackling for this team. The best this season by far. And that, I think, is the biggest thing that you could take away as a positive if you're a Gopher fan, is that P.J. Fleck's been talking about how tackling just has to come over time. It's not something that they fix over the course of one week in between games, you know? You got to have that experience. And I think maybe we're starting to see some of these young players on defense get at least a little more comfortable and a little more experience to a point where it's starting to show up on the stat sheet, particularly in this defensive tackling grade on Pro Football Focus. It was the worst pass-defending game for the Gophers since back in Maryland, but I I don't want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the good things. As a whole, we've been doing this Pro Football Focus thing, or I have for a couple of weeks. We haven't talked about it all that much on the pod. But I think that the takeaways here, because I'm always skeptical skeptical of some of these advanced stats. Like, I, if I don't really understand it and I don't truly understand pro football focus, I don't really like to embrace it. But I do like the concept behind PFF. And at the same time, it feels like maybe some of these things are obvious that I'm telling you. Like, hey, this website says that the Gophers had their best run defense game of the season. Yeah, I didn't need a website to tell me that. I watched the game. Like, I get that. But at the same time, isn't the fact that they're telling you some of the obvious things make it foolproof or at least make it uh, reasonable to believe that the less obvious things that they're telling you are at least true? Like you wouldn't have said that Tanner Morgan had just a good of game last week against Iowa as he did this week against Purdue. And I'm not saying that either. But as far as just as a passer goes, that's what Pro Football Focus is saying. And I do agree with what they say about the receivers not giving him that kind of help against Iowa last week too. Obviously, there's other things that go into it. But I do really think that this website will give you an opportunity and give us an opportunity as we continue to kind of see in between the lines in a way that we have not been able to before. And that's what I'm really excited to use this for going forward. I think we will make some sort of weekly segment with the Pro Football Focus. I don't know if it'll be on a Monday every time. I doubt it'll be on a Monday every time. Seems like more of a midweek thing to do. But we'll definitely get more involved with this, and I'll dig more into it too as well, because this is something I'm all about, the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But this is the end of the Locked On Golden Gopher podcast for your Monday. Once again, podcast today brought to you by Built Bar. Head on over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your order. They got a nice deal going for you guys. Head on over to Built Bar and check it out. I'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to break down everything that P.J. Fleck says this afternoon in his Monday press conference. 
coach has got a win to talk about for the first time in a couple of weeks. I'm sure he'll be happy to discuss it after a tough, tough week of questioning after Iowa. We'll break it all down tomorrow here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Until then, I'm Nate Dickinson. Row the boat, Sky Uma. Go Gophers.